Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children. I'm Melanie Cole, and today, in time for child abuse observance, during the month of April every year, we're talking with Dr. Shaylin Nino. She's the Division Director of Child Abuse Pediatrics at Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego and the Medical Director at the Chadwick Center for Children and Families. And we're talking about identifying injuries and crying and the things that babies do that might alert us and some red flags. Dr. Nino, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. I'd like to start with sort of the prevalence of infant and child abuse that you see and why you think it's so important to have this observance month in April. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. The prevalence of child abuse is a little bit difficult to discern because it requires that somebody recognizes that a child is being abused and subsequently report it to investigative bodies. What we do know is that every year about three and a half million children are reported to child welfare service systems nationwide. About 680,000 children are confirmed victims of child abuse or any form of malnutrition treatment. But when you ask parents anonymously about acts of maltreatment, they will report rates far greater than what we are substantiating as being victims of abuse and neglect. On average, about 3.5 million children every year. So close to the amount that we are seeing being reported to child welfare entities. The best way to kind of look at how many children are being abused is to look at fatality rates. And so five children die every day from abuse or neglect, which is more than twice the rate of children who die from motor vehicle accidents or cancers, things of that nature that we have large campaigns against. Wow. You know, that's a a real sobering statistic. And I mean, while this is a very sad topic, we also are going to be offering a lot of advice and information and even some for parents that just, I mean, babies cry, Dr. Nino, right? They cry. I had two of them and one of them was not a crier and one of them was. And sometimes the abuse happens as a result of the frustration of the parents. So I'd like you to first talk about identifying injuries, because I think that's a good place for us to start is what are we looking for in these children? And then we're going to give some real workable advice on how to know why a baby's crying. And if you're somebody who isn't necessarily that baby's caregiver, then maybe that's an important part as well. So can you just give us a little bit of identifying situations where we might send up a red flag and say, okay, there's something possibly more going on here? Sure. So identifying abuse or neglect in small babies can be a little bit difficult because they can't tell us things, which is why we as adults have to have our eyes open and looking for signs of potential maltreatment. In infants who are not mobile, so not crawling, cruising, or walking, those babies cannot independently generate enough force to cause injury to themselves. So anytime you see any sort of injury on a non-mobile baby, whether that's 
bruising, abrasions, blood vessels broken in the eyes, um, any sort of injury whatsoever, that should raise suspicion for the possibility of abuse and lead to a workup for that baby. Our mantra in the child abuse arena is if you're not old enough to cruise, you're not old enough to bruise. So really those are the red flags that we want people to be on the lookout for because those seemingly minor injuries are often harbingers for future more severe abuse events. In older children, we're looking for bruising that happens in locations away from bony prominences. Kids fall and get injured all of the time, right? So they usually injure their shins, their elbows, their foreheads, those types of places. We're looking for any injuries on soft, squishy parts like the buttocks, the... Um, backs of the thighs, the ears are high prognostic indicators for abusive trauma, those types of things. Any patterned injury, which indicates an implement was used to harm a child, also very concerning. And then there's also those cases that you see in like Walmart or the parking lot where somebody is being verbally or physically aggressive towards a child. Those are the cases where we want people to get involved and to call for help to ensure that those kids are remaining safe as well. What great information that was. So now let's talk about the babies themselves when they cry, because sometimes, as you say, if a baby is non-mobile and they have piercing cries or we're noticing bruises, things of those nature, then then that really signals that big red flag, but babies cry all the time. And so for parents also, we're talking about this, Dr. Nino, because we also want to speak to parents that are frustrated when their babies cry and and don't know what to do about it. And then sometimes that's when the abuse might happen. And it's not even always meaningful, you know, shaken baby and that sort of thing. So tell us a little bit about crying in babies and the different types and one that might signal that something is more than wrong. Right. So babies, like you said, cry all of the time. In fact, on average, infants will cry somewhere between two to four hours a day. Some babies cry much more than that. We usually call those babies colicky. I personally had a baby who cried literally 24 hours a day for four months. It was I had a terrible. colicky baby too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a terrible time. And so I really don't think that most people intend to harm their children. What happens is they act out of frustration and kind of make this snap reaction and it can cause harm to kids and that's problematic. So what we want parents to do is to be able to recognize how they are responding to the frustration that crying elicits and it is really frustrating as you know and to recognize when they're starting to become overwhelmed and over frustrated to place the baby in a safe location like a crib or a bassinet and to just walk away. If the baby's not hungry, they don't have a wet or dirty diaper, and they aren't cold, then they're just crying to cry, and that's completely normal. What's harmful for us as parents is, one, to 
expect that we can fix everything all of the time, which sometimes we cannot. And to think that something may be wrong with the baby when they're crying, which is often not the case. Babies also get increasingly more fussy through the first six weeks of their life, and then it starts to decrease. So six weeks is really like the peak time of fussiness and when parents will be the most tired and the most frustrated. And so recognizing those responses in ourselves can really change the trajectory for ourselves as parents and for those kids. Certainly true. Now, obviously, babies cry, as you say, colicky. There's so many reasons. Can you give us some techniques, some tried and true? Now, my mother, I'm the youngest of six, and she brought in foster kids. So we had kids around all the time, and my mom could take a baby at an airport that was crying, and and the baby would just look at her and reach out and stop crying. And she would do the baby thing on plane. She was the baby whisperer. Me and not so much. I wasn't I wasn't that person. Parents want to know what they can do. Depending, of course, on the issue. If baby's hungry, you feed them. If they're dirty, you know, you want to change their diaper. But sometimes the crying just doesn't have a reason. Do you have some tips for us? Some soothing techniques? Sure. So um, there are multiple soothing techniques that you can try for babies. One is swaddling. So they like to be swaddled pretty tightly. You can take a blanket and swaddle swaddle them up like a burrito. um, And that can help reduce some of the stress that the baby is feeling and make them feel more comfortable, almost like they're back in the womb. So swaddling works. Shushing, um, making a shushing noise or other white noise can also reduce some of the stress related to background noise in their environment. Taking them to a quiet place can be helpful. Sucking, so giving them a pacifier or your finger or something else to help them soothe. And then swinging or like bouncing um, as you're shushing can also help soothe babies. But like you said before, sometimes babies just cry for no reason. And if you've tried all of these techniques and it's not working, that's when we want you to put baby down and take a break until you feel like you're ready to come back. Because sometimes there's really no rhyme or reason about that crying. My first baby, the one with the colic, I tried all of those things and none of them ever worked for her, which is where it's difficult for parents because we want to fix it and we want to make it better. And sometimes we just can't. Well, that's true. And I was the same way, except mine was my second child. But I know what you're saying. And for parents, that is the time when sometimes, you know, between that and being up all night with a sick child, those are your parenting moments. Those are the times when your parenting colors shine through. So when all else fails... And you say we put the baby down. Give us some advice for parents when the babies won't won't stop crying because we have to practice a little self-care there because even the calmest of us can lose it at times. What do you want us to know about stepping back, getting help, having somebody else take care of that crying baby or listen, make sure they're not throwing up because they're crying so hard? You know, all of those things. What do you want parents to do? Right. I, well, just what you said, self-care. 
So it is okay to take a time out. Um, it doesn't mean you're a failure as a parent. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. It doesn't make you neglectful. It is okay for you to take care of yourself when you need to take care of yourself because you're not gonna be good for baby if you are super frustrated and overwhelmed. So put baby down, maybe take a quick shower or put on some noise canceling headphones and read a book for a few minutes. You can do anything that helps you to relax and can kind of bring you back to center. That's what we want parents to do. We also have a tendency as parents to not ask for help when we need it. Um, and so asking for help from your tribe is super important. Reach out, ask for somebody else to watch the baby so you can go to the grocery store by yourself or get a nap. All of those things we parents don't get time alone to do. So that's important. And accepting help when people offer it is also really important for parents to remember. Healthychildren.org, which is a parenting resource by the AAP, also has a lot of tips on how to soothe babies and how to deal with crying. So you can also get online and get some tips that way as well. And thank you for offering that, because that is our namesake. And listeners and constant listeners of this show know that we are in conjunction with HealthyChildren.org, the consumer website for the American Academy of Pediatrics. That was my little ding, ding, ding moment. So <laughs> back to the, uh, sorry, you know, i got to do those things, right? What about resources? Resources for parents that maybe don't have extended family in the area or a, a, a support group or for parents that maybe recognize in themselves that they're on the edge a little bit, that there's a possibility of abuse, whether physical or even mental. And not everybody recognizes that in themselves. And I'm just going to give listeners my own example. I, when my daughter was like two, I gave her a pat on the butt and I didn't even think about the spanking thing and I never had to do it with my Stepford son because he was just perfect and easy. And then I saw her do it to a doll and I am telling you, it was a white light. I just never, ever laid a hand again, ever. And it was a lesson for me because I saw what it did. She then spanked her little dolly and I saw it right there like right out of a TV show. So are there some resources that you like to point people to, Dr. Nino, that can help us sort of as I did to see that light and go, oh, geez, you know, this is not cool. Or the things that we say, parents have to be so careful. One wrong word. And, and children can take that to heart and possibly remember it for their lives. That's exactly right. And I had a similar experience to you with my second child. I swatted her on the bottom. I'm a pediatrician. I know better. Right. And so and told her no, because she was touching a plug in the wall and I didn't want her to get hurt. And so then she proceeded to swat everybody else and tell them no every single time they did something she didn't like. So total parenting fail. Mine was similar. <laughs> it was to avoid getting hurt. Right. Yeah, man. Oh, man. I hated that moment. And clearly I'm still remembering it 20 years later. So <laughs> right. Really. And mine's 15 years later. So I get it. One of the things that you can do is reach out to your pediatrician because they can provide a lot of helpful 
tips and tricks for you. There may be something that is happening with your child that's causing them to be fussy or um, have behavior issues. So reaching out to your child's pediatrician is one really good way to get some help. There's also a lot of online resources. ParentsHelpingParents.org is one of the um, locations I like to send parents to because it connects parents with other parents for support. We can lift each other up when we're down in the trenches. If you don't have that support system within your family or your neighborhood, that's one good resource. Again, the AAP um, offers healthychildren.org, which can give parents a lot of tips. Here in California, you can call 211 for information and help and mental health resources. So your state may have something similar where you can reach out and dial a number and get resources that way. That's great advice. You want to offer some final thoughts for parents about identifying those cries of babies, identifying injuries. And when the pandemic was in lockdown, I imagine that that was such a horrific time for kids that are being abused. I mean, animals that are being anybody who was in a lockdown situation with an abuser, but identifying the situation and knowing when to call for help. Give us your best and final thoughts. Sure. So yeah, the pandemic was hard on us all, you know, and we have really good data to support that in times of economic downturn, abuse of children goes up. Um, That's because of, you know, parental stress and frustration. And what's more stressful than a global pandemic where Parents are financially strained, people are ill, they're forced to homeschool their kids, all of those things, lots of stressful situations there. So recognizing injuries in very small babies is one of the things I want listeners to take home with them. If you see any injury in a very small baby, that should raise suspicion for abuse or neglect. Anytime you see anything that makes you feel uncomfortable, so if you're watching a child be physically harmed or um, being screamed at or something that just makes you feel uncomfortable. If you have a sense that a child is being harmed in some way, please call your local child welfare system to make that report. You don't have to prove that abuse is happening. You don't have to know for certain that it's happening. You just have to have a suspicion. That investigation, if there's nothing there, then it just gets closed. But if you're right and that child is being harmed, you can make the difference for that child. You may be their only hope. As a parent, again, take a time out babies sometimes cry for no reason at all. So if you've done everything that you can to try to soothe them and they're just not being soothed, recognize those responses in yourself. It is okay to feel frustrated. It is absolutely okay to not be able to fix the situation and to take care of yourself. Just put down the baby and walk away. Wow, you've given us so much to think about, Dr. Nino, today. Thank you so much for joining us really great resources. And parents, share this show with your friends and your family on your social channels because we're learning from the experts at the AAP together. And we all know that our pediatricians, the gold standard 
of doctors. In my opinion, they are the ones helping us to raise our children happy and healthy and safe, and they care. And you don't go into pediatrics lightly because it is a really, really all-encompassing job. And so all the props to our pediatricians. And remember to reach out to your pediatrician if you have absolutely any questions or frustrations. And they can point you towards so many great resources. And as Dr. Nino said, HealthyChildren.org has many resources to help you soothe a crying baby, something we can all use a little help with. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening and stay well.